Welcome to Empower Humans. Welcome again to the Empower Humans podcast, episode 115 today. Not 150, not quite yet, but in the next weeks we will be. <laughs> 115 here with Dr. Charles Elder today. Uh, man, this guy is an incredible, uh, obviously doctor, but uh, also author, uh, researcher, and coming to us today from Portland, Oregon. Uh, we talked a lot about nutrition he has a book out called Picture of Health, Transform Your Self-Care and Healthcare Through Ayurvedic and Integrative Medicine. Uh, also, go check out his website, pictureofhealthmds.com. Uh, that's pictureofhealthmds.com, to say it another way. Uh, but man, we covered you know all kinds. I had a lot of personal questions that I think, I hope, a lot of folks can relate to as well, related to organic versus non-organic uh, fruit juices. He talks a lot about uh, room temperature of drinks versus drinking cold drinks. We talked even about alcohol. I personally don't drink alcohol, but I, I know a lot of folks do. I don't look down on anyone who does. That's just my personal decision. We talked about all this stuff. We talked at the end a lot about uh, anxiety and depression and uh, some various thoughts and techniques there. I say all this with a grain of salt, and he obviously pointed out as well that uh, everything is is a little bit case by case. He's talking about just kind of average, normal, run-of-the-mill people, not folks necessarily trying to be Olympians. Uh, and we feel for all the Olympians this year, by the way, with the Olympics essentially being at least postponed <laughs> with this virus. But I digress. Excellent interview. Before we jump into that, I want to remind you as always, and I want it to sink deep into your hearts and minds this time, if it hasn't already, you are absolutely priceless. You are priceless. I could say it a thousand times and it wouldn't be enough. We don't yet have a thousand episodes, and I know I've said it a few so far, but I just want people to know that. I, I need to remind myself of that. This isn't me talking down to anybody. Sometimes you start to think maybe you're the opposite. Maybe you're even worthless. Maybe you're whatever. Please, please, please do not subscribe to that. You know, don't let what anyone else says, does, thinks, has in their life contribute to how you feel about yourself. Everyone's on their own journey and their own time frame and their own uh, set of both challenges and learning opportunities. And uh, you could dig deep as to maybe some purpose involved in all that on a very individual level. But I love you. You are priceless no matter who you are, even if we haven't met. And reach out if you want at Empower101 on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, and also info at empowerhumans.com is the email address. And of course, along with that, you're never alone. Uh, underscoring what I just said, reach out to me, but also reach out to folks around you, friends, family, neighbors, coworkers, uh, whoever that might be, reach out. Don't get lost in the delusion thinking you're less than priceless or that you're alone because it's absolutely not true, my friends. Uh, also, challenges. Study, keep studying, start studying. I've been saying this for uh, over two years now on the podcast. I think every episode we've had these challenges. Uh, and if not, uh, I'm sorry on maybe a few of them, but uh, study. Uh, I just can't say enough. What that does for stimulating our minds and just learning, growing, progressing, and uh, having knowledge is is power. And of course, knowledge itself isn't just power, but the proper use of knowledge is real power. And so taking that knowledge, putting it in motion in some, in some capacity, uh, putting it in practice, that's what we're talking about. Uh, so study. We've got tons and tons of opportunities. I listen to audiobooks galore uh, in all kinds of ways while I'm working, doing dishes, going for a walk, whatever it might be. I listen to audiobooks. Uh, I also read and other things as well. But uh, I just invite you to keep doing that. And of course, make great moments. I just finished another Lego set with my son. These are Star Wars Legos we've been doing a lot. He got a lot of them at Christmas time, so we still got some to do, uh, even with the pandemic. Uh, but I encourage you to find something that you can do. If you have someone in your life, Make a list of who those people are, whether you do it physically, on your phone, or just in your mind. Okay, these 12 people are my core people. And truthfully, it's not going to be a huge group. I love all of humanity uh, for a ton of reasons, including the common ground we share uh, in this life together on this planet. But uh, you're going to have your core people. Name who those folks are. Those might be four people. That might be one person. That might be 12 or 20. But uh, generally, my experience is not going to be a lot more than that. But find your thing with those people, whether it's you go to lunch once a week with your uh, best friend and uh, you have date night every week with your wife and you do Legos with your son or uh, play with dolls with your daughter or whatever these people do. Uh, do whatever it is <laughs> with these people to have your thing with them and make great moments uh, in that process. Uh, these will be pillars in our lives that will overshadow the many regrets that we're all going to have. 
life will come to a close for all of us. And don't be scared of that either. There's a lot I could say on that, but do not be scared of that. Let's have these pillars of great moments to overshadow the other nonsense that we're all going to have too. So take heart in that. You're not alone in that regard. And uh, last challenge, of course, as always, let's keep doing this podcast together. I speak to you from the heart. I love you. I appreciate you. And I'm flattered, very, very flattered for those of you who spend time. Share the podcast. Uh, write a note and put it on your coworker's desk. And uh, if you, as long as you're not going to get in trouble. Uh, put notes on their front door, slide it under their door, uh, tape it to their window. If you're in their house, stick it to their bathroom mirror. No, I'm just kidding. We're becoming stalkers now, aren't we? <laughs> Share the podcast, though, my friends. And uh, we've got a lot more things coming uh, down the pipe I'm going to be sharing with you in the coming weeks and months. But uh, anyway, without further ado, my friends, here is our interview with the one and only Dr. Charles Elder. Here we go. We are pleased to welcome today Dr. Charles Elder, author doctor, clearly, and uh, researcher with, with Kaiser and uh, coming to us today from Portland, right, Dr. Elder? Correct. Great to be here. Yeah, it's uh, great to have you. Now, uh, the reason I want to invite you on is you have this book, Picture of Health, Transform Your Self-Care and Healthcare Through Ayurvedic and Integrative Medicine. I don't know if I pronounced that right, Ayurvedic. We're going to have to talk about what all this stuff is uh, for those, you know, people will have different levels of knowledge who may be listening to this. Uh, but uh, tell me a little bit about your background as, as a doctor. In fact, last week we had a doctor who was actually a therapist. It doesn't sound like that's uh, the realm of what you do, um, but to talk about that, if you would, and why did you go this direction uh, in terms of pursuing medicine and then what you're doing now? Right. So I'm a primary care internist. Okay. And so I take care of uh, patients. Uh, in a general internal medicine clinic, and I've done that for pushing the years. In addition to that, I have training in Ayurvedic medicine. Ayurveda is the traditional healthcare system of India, the traditional natural uh, holistic healthcare system of India. Ayurveda is to India as Chinese medicine is to China. And what happened was, you know, I was in, in medical school. Mm -hmm. And when I got to medical school, I was really stressed out. You know, it was, it was a lot of tension sure. and pressure. And I needed some, uh, some I, I was sensible enough to recognize that I needed some tools to, um, to help me to deal with the stress. And so I started learning different mind, body, and meditation techniques. And I yeah. learned to meditate. And I learned a bunch of different things. The thing that stuck, ended up sticking with me was transcendental meditation. And I learned that technique like 40 years ago. And I started meditating on a regular basis. And wow. that really, and number one, that's um, enabled me to manage the stress and to survive. But it also gave me a different perspective on my training because I realized that what we were being taught, I mean, I got a great biomedical education. Yeah. But it turns out that it was somewhat incomplete. For example, people would come into the, uh, this is me as a medical student, okay? I've noticed people would come into our, uh, into our clinic with, uh, with anxiety and we treat them with Valium. I say, oh my God, this person is taking 10 milligrams of Valium twice a day. <laughs> Why isn't anybody telling this person to meditate? Not only would I know from my experience that this worked, but even then there was already data in the literature showing that it worked. Yeah. People, people would come into our emergency rooms with, uh, I'd see, uh, we give them Demerol shots. They, people don't do that anymore, but in those days, Demerol is a potent narcotic. Someone comes into the emergency room with a migraine, you give them a Demerol shot. What are we doing? Why don't you tell them to meditate? It works for headaches. I get headaches, I meditate, it goes away. Why don't we tell this to the patient? <laughs> so I, I knew that I, what I was learning was somewhat incomplete. <clears throat> when, yeah, I was, yeah. when I was a resident, I went on a meditation course, and some guy gave a talk on Ayurveda, and that's how I learned about it. Wow. Wow. And, and, uh, and at the beginning, it cut out for a second. We said how many years you've been, you've been doing this as an internist. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So I've been uh, uh, meditating for 40 years. Yeah. I've been practicing medicine 
for 30 plus years oh, and I've been doing integrative medicine with my uh, internal medicine practice for a little over 20 years. Oh, okay. So you started meditating around the time I was born because I'll be 40 next month. Uh, <laughs> but uh, right. yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you. That's well, almost a month away. It's the end of August. Me and Macaulay Culkin, we're turning 40 together. He was born the same day as me. Anyway, I digress. Uh, but wow. So this meditation, now I've, we've talked a lot recently about meditation on the podcast, and uh, it's really uh, an interesting topic as it concerns us Westerners, because just in the last you know, 20, 30 years, uh, and maybe longer, I guess maybe that's the time I've been conscious, uh, it's, it's gradually come into more full swing. You know, I've seen, I've seen documentaries, YouTube things where there's uh, actual meditation groups and they they do it in medical care facilities, whether that be in a hospital or clinic and things as well. Um, talk to me about the meditation, especially this, you mentioned, I think, transcendental meditation, which is, I understand it has to do with mantras and things. Um, can we dig in a little bit on meditation and, and you know, what it is and, and why it is apparently so beneficial? <laughs> Absolutely. So um, I'm looking here at your website, Phil. Human power unlocked, and yeah. and you say here that that you want to empower our true individual and collective potential. Okay, so <laughs> that's kind of what for me what meditating is about. So okay. um, the technique that I've learned and is, is is transcendental meditation, and it involves uh, use of a sound without meaning to relax the physiology. To bring the physiology in contact with its true self. So the normal thing is for all of us to be completely healthy and happy. That's normal. And then in the course of events, we get confused, we get distracted, we get caught up, and we get caught up in the, we get caught up in the weeds. And so when we meditate, it sort of brings you back to your true self. And to the silent, quiet place in the physiology, which is relaxing and restorative. So that way, um, the meditation is really a tool for empowering ourselves to be our best. Okay. In, an, in, a, in a natural and simple way. Mm -hmm. I see. So we're, we're somewhat intertwined between my message on the website and... Uh, some of the <laughs> some of the words and phrases and how that might relate to this uh, meditation approach. Um, so you said a sound without meaning. Is that what you, what I heard you say? It's a sound without meaning, but not without effect. Okay, and that's a good qualifier there. Not without effect. And, you know, I've done, for example, yoga in the past. I used to actually. A lot of people have done P ninety X. There's this ninety minute yoga workout that was yeah. kind of a marathon for me because well, ninety minutes of yoga, but it kind of it, it wore me out <laughs> too. But at the end, you know, Tony Horton, who does the P ninety X, this was I don't know fifteen plus years ago now, but um, they they do this this ohm thing at the end. Is it kind of like that where you do some sort? some sort of ohm or, or I guess it could be any sound without meaning as you tune your mind and body, so to speak. Is, is that kind so the of thing with, go ahead. Sort of. So the thing with, uh, uh, transcendental meditation is it needs to be taught by a qualified instructor and I'm not a TM instructor. I'm a practice. Okay. So, uh, but, uh, mantras are assigned on an individual basis and, it's, I think it's a, it's a common misunderstanding uh, to, um, that any sound will do. So there are some people who think that, uh, oh, gosh, I'll just meditate on the word peace. Mm -hmm. It doesn't quite work like that. So uh, the mantras are uh, specific sounds. They don't have a meaning, but they do have a specific effect to guide the physiology to that quiet place of relaxation. Yeah. 
That's that's very very interesting to me. And and I've talked about this in the podcast too, but both individually and with you know folks like yourself who are guests. That uh, I, I I'm always reminded as a musician when you go you know I played in bands. I'd watch the guitarists tune their guitars together. And they'd have to kind of hear a sound and make sure that their their sound on their guitar is in tune with the other guitar, so to speak. Or if you go hear an orchestra, it's the same thing. You walk in, and it's a beautiful. Everyone's tuning to a middle C. Uh, you just hear this uh, kind of sound. Um, and any of us who love music, which I think is probably most of us, if we're being honest, in some capacity, we all at least I think like music, some sort of music, whatever that might be. Um, I think we can relate to a sound without meaning but uh but certainly that still has an impact of sorts to paraphrase some of what you said um and and i personally have not done this so i mean let's dig deeper a little bit if you would when we use the word transcendental why is it called transcend which is uh uh related to the word transcend uh which takes you beyond i guess maybe the normal scope of something why why do we call it transcendental meditation do you think I know I'm catching you off guard with some uh, just questions off the top of my head as we're talking here. <laughs> Good question. I didn't come up with the name. I'll give it my best shot. Uh, sure. uh, so first of all, I want to go back and commend you on your analogy because it's exactly like that. So we want to take our awareness mm-hmm. uh, with the meditation technique and get, uh, and get in tune with the the our true selves with the uh, with pure consciousness so okay. just like all those violins uh, so you so, so you got the uh the concert master the lead violinist who gives you that c note or whatever it is yeah. and then everyone else wants to harmonize with it yes so in the same way we have the the pure consciousness within ourselves and we're trying, and we want to harmonize with it. So we use that mantra to harmonize with it. And in so doing, we transcend all the crud, all the stress, all the anxiety, all the, the deception and the fear. And we come home to our, to our true natures, which is perfect health, perfect balance, happiness, and bliss. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. And so, um, and and then what were we going to say about the the word transcendental as part of a uh, descriptive term here? Did you have any additional insights on that, or maybe that was your part of your answer here? <laughs> that was my answer. That was that was okay. it because because it really is. We're uh, so we've got the relative and the absolutes. So we have in the relative. Oh my gosh. I'm talking to Phil and then at 10 15 I've got another appointment and oh my goodness and I forgot to pay this bill and oh my word and COVID-19 and uh, my mask is dirty I need a new one okay and so on but then we have the absolute where the the universe believe it or not in spite of all the weird things that are going on continues to function in a spectacular way every day the sun comes up in the east goes down out in the west and every night the stars are out in the moon and, and the rivers are flowing and the birds are chirping and all this spectacularly magnificent stuff going on around us every second that we lose sight of right because we're caught up in the relative and so transcendental we want to transcend this petty stress producing uh, malalignment of our focus and bring our awareness back into contact with our true selves. Yeah. 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 I, I think most people can relate uh, to several things that we're talking about here because we've all had worries. You know, you start thinking, uh, Oh, you've got this, like you mentioned the 10, 15 appointment or this or that with COVID or uh, school, you know, I've got kids and I'm not sure how we're going to handle the school year. I'm in Nevada, Las Vegas area and all over the country in the world, there's all kinds of things going on with schools and, and uh, all these all these little things that that might uh, I don't know torture our thoughts, so to speak. Some of the things that that might keep people up at night. When people are up at night, a lot of times, I for one, let's admit, I've done it. I've oh, wake up, start thinking, worrying about something, or emotionally involved in some 
event or <laughs> or current life happening. Um, and and what you're talking about is, is like you, I think you use the word relative and absolutes. And uh, and by the way, I was wrong about the orchestra. It's not middle C. It's an A, the 440 hertz kind of thing. I don't want anyone calling me out here on uh, <laughs> thank you messages. So we want to be accurate. But anyway, so we're tuning here. Uh, our minds and bodies. And now when you use a word like integrative medicine, uh, I just wonder, Dr. Elder, what exactly, uh, what are we doing? What are we integrating exactly? When we talk about Western medicine versus this uh, Ayurvedic approach, uh, tell me more. What is integrative medicine as far as you're concerned? Okay, great question. So let's give some definitions. So we've got conventional medicine, which is the usual biomedical healthcare system, often referred to as allopathic medicine. Okay. And then we have um, alternative medicine. Alternative medicine, when I think of that, that's like when people are doing some things that are way out there instead of doing conventional medicine. So for example, a patient has breast cancer. Uh, instead of getting surgery, and and chemotherapy and radiation, the patient goes and does take some herbs and whatever. Okay, alternative medicine. Mm -hmm. Complementary medicine, in contrast, would be you have conventional medicine, but then we have other types of healthcare that are responsible that we use on top of uh, conventional medicine to complement it, to make it better. So an example. Example might be, let's go back to this patient who has cancer. Patient's getting cancer chemotherapy and is experiencing side effects, nausea, vomiting. Well, you can take drugs for that, but even better, get acupuncture. Acupuncture works for nausea and vomiting associated with cancer chemotherapy. Complementary medicine, using some of these other systems and approaches as a complement to conventional care. And then integrative medicine, what that means is we're taking conventional medicine and complementary medicine, and mm -hmm. we're using them together at once in a coordinated fashion. We're not mm -hmm. just relying, we're not forcing the patient to go out there and say, well, hey, this doctor told me this, and this acupuncture told me, acupuncturist told me that, and that naturopath told me that, and I'm going to figure this out for myself. No, in integrative medicine, we as professionals, we tie it all together in an integrated way for the patient. Okay. And what would some examples of that be, if you don't mind me asking? Obviously, we don't need to share names and real examples, but just like some general ideas of, <laughs> of how we would integrate that way and how that, that would be involved on the patient's side. And, and what would we be treating? You know, various forms of pain or anxiety or uh, tell me more about that in terms yes, of examples. Yes, th th those, those were two great examples. Virtually any type of chronic or subacute medical condition, and in some cases, acute medical condition can benefit from integrative care. So I'll give you a few examples. It is quite common for me to see patients in my clinic with chronic pain syndromes, and they'll go to their primary care doc, and they'll go to a specialist, and they'll take advantage of all of the approaches that are offered, including medications and physical therapy. But sometimes that isn't enough, and they'll come to me, and they'll continue to do their, take their medications and their physical therapy, do their physical therapy. But in addition, mm -hmm. I'll give them some dietary measures. Uh, okay. I'll give them some herbal supplements. I'll tell them to learn to meditate and refer them to resources because stress, reducing stress can reduce pain. And we'll do all these things, add if things go our way, then eventually the patient can uh, taper off, hopefully, of some of the medications, especially if they're having side effects. And maybe we can keep the patient out of needing that uh, uh, surgery or injection for their back pain, something like that. Okay. Okay. I get what you're saying. So it's, there's a few different layers then to the treatment, dietary, uh, supplements, meditation, and of course, as anything, it's up to the patient to do their part if they <laughs> if they want to take doctor's uh, orders or suggestions uh, in that regard, I suppose. Um, now, as we talk about this COVID, let's dig in a little bit since that's uh, current events <laughs> right now in a big time way. 
and from a medical perspective, uh, first of all, what is your take on that? I see, I keep reading so many things on all sides of the spectrum, including from medical professionals that seem to contradict each other. That, oh, this isn't quite what everyone, the media and politicians are making it out to be. And then others saying, oh, this sure is, and it's going to wear out our healthcare system. Um, before we dig into your thoughts in terms of uh, treatments and in, 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 uh, especially uh, strengthening our immune system in light of maybe a second plus waves coming here. Um, what, what are your thoughts as a big picture of this whole COVID thing? <laughs> you know, I guess in the context of all the many thoughts out there, what's your take, doctor? You've got some authority. Okay. So I think that uh, the, the pandemic is real. The disease is real. Yeah. And it's potentially dangerous for a lot of people. So it needs to be taken seriously. But there's too much hysteria, paranoia, opportunism, and misinformation surrounding the pandemic. So uh, that's my take on it in, in, in a nutshell. I think that you know there are some really basic things that if people do, we can get ourselves out of this really quickly. Yeah. So it, it, it does does need to be taken seriously, but we're not helpless, we're not powerless, and we don't have to be afraid. Okay. I like that good uh, kind of summation there at the end. And then, uh, yeah, and like I personally, for example, just this morning, I saw a video from uh, Dr. Ron Paul, who many know as a former presidential candidate, uh, talk, and he's, you know, say what you want about Ron Paul, but uh, also medical professional and from a political standpoint, the words you used of hysteria, uh, paranoia, opportunism, I'm taking notes here while we talk, <laughs> um, seem to ring true with me as well. But, and one of the things Dr. Paul uh, also mentioned was that um, people, uh, there, there's a lot of things going on in Washington where there's, you know, I guess that's not really part of our conversation so much, but it's things for all of us to try to wake up and be cognizant of just let's be more aware of our surrounding what's going on with this, because these words you use are kind of strong words, um, especially the opportunism part. Um, so anyway, uh, now as we talk about our immune system, whether it's COVID or the plethora of other uh, things that might be out there that, that could be a threat, um, what, what are your thoughts in terms of strengthening our immune system through the lens, perhaps, of, of your school of thought with, with uh, medical treatments and integrative medicine in general, Ayurvedic uh, treatments and so on? Right. So I want to st step back and answer that. I want to emphasize that, you know, uh, that my, yes, the pandemic is real and we need to take it seriously. Ooh, my beef is with paranoia and hysteria because there are measures we can take and we don't have to be afraid. So the message is see the job, do the job, stay out of the misery. Do the things you need to do to protect yourself and your family and then go about and live and thrive. There's no reason not to. Now, there are okay. two, I think there are two sides of the coin when, it talks, when we talk about uh, COVID-19 in particular, and one of them is staying away from the virus, and the second one is, what you're asking me, is what do you, if you, if you do, what if you do, what if you are exposed? How do we keep our immune system strong to protect ourselves? So the first part is now common knowledge, and people are talking a lot about. So there are, to stay away from the virus is very important. Wear a face mask. Mm -hmm. Keep six feet of distance and wash our hands a lot. Please, everybody, please do those things. It's not that difficult. That works. It will shut the pandemic down substantially if people do that. And people aren't doing that. You know, here in Port, I was out for a hike a couple of days ago, beautiful place on the coast, got to a viewpoint. All these people crowded together. I mean, really close without face masks on. Please, yeah. people. Wear a mask, wash your hands, keep six feet of distance. It works. Okay, there's that set of things, and you'll keep yourself out of trouble if yeah. you do that. If sure. it's not always possible to do that, you can still get infected. 
Okay, but or you can still get exposed. So what do you do? Look, some people, they get exposed to this virus and they have minimal symptoms or even none. Other people get exposed to this virus, they get a very serious illness, they end up in the hospital and some of them on ventilators and some of them unfortunately die. Well, what yes. can you do to keep yourself in the former group and not be in the latter group, right? That's what you're asking me. So this is, and my beef with biomedicine, by the way, isn't with the things that they're doing, which are great, promoting the public health measures, the distancing, working on a vaccine, the medications that are coming out that are reducing mortality. My beef is with what they're not talking about, which is what exactly what your question is. So the emphasis needs to be shifted a little bit to self-care. And one of the most ridiculously simple things that you can do to keep your immune system strong is, drum roll please, get enough sleep. <laughs> Would you please get to bed on time and wake up at a reasonable hour. Now, mental health issues come into play when we're talking about life in general and COVID-19. So you don't want to like go to, you don't want to oversleep, sleep into the morning, get depressed and stuff. I tell people, get to bed by 10, get out of bed by six, about each morning. Be on a good routine. Get to bed on time, wake up on time. And then get some exercise in the morning, early to bed, early to rise, exercise in the morning. Getting enough sleep, getting a little bit of exercise, first thing in the morning is best. Being on a sane routine, these are the keys to keep your physiology balanced and humming, which in turn keeps your immune system balanced and optimized. Wow. Wow, that's very deep stuff. Uh, and, and again, through my lens of music and you know other things, but I, I think of that in terms of repetition. I mean, that's all music is, these repetitive words and choruses. And then you, we use words like catchy to describe all these songs, whatever they might be. Um, but we are creatures of rhythm, aren't we? And, the, and we're in a world and universe which is full of rhythms, repeating cycles, and that demands balance. And... Uh, and so I think that underscores in a, on a macro scale a lot of what you're saying here on the so-called, maybe we'll say micro scale of us as individuals that we need to be doing that. Like the other day, I just got four hours of sleep and then I was <laughs> walking around like a zombie half the day. And then, of course, I went to bed earlier. Than, I just couldn't stay up because my body needed to, to recover somehow. And then I got a good maybe seven plus uh, the next night. Um, <laughs> not to dig into my personal life, but I think people can relate to that. Maybe you sometimes as a doctor or individual have gone through those moments. Um, why is sleep so important? Because I, I keep, you said drum roll, please. So there's some emphasis with that. And yet it's such a, like a simple, it should be, I would think, a simple uh, detail. It's, it, you know, it takes a large portion. If you get in eight hours, that's a third of your life <laughs> to get eight hours of sleep. So it's, 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 a, it's a big component. It's more even than eating. Uh, t talk to me about sleep. Why? Let's dig in. Why is it so important? Well, we can go to the uh, right to the end game and make the observation that we all know when we don't get enough sleep, we're more prone to getting sick. Yeah. And we go, everyone's had that experience. If you're well rested and you're feeling good, you're less likely to get sick. And it's when we don't sleep, we go on a long trip, we're abusing ourselves, we're, thinking, we're more likely to come down with a viral illness or any other illness. Well, the body needs rest. The immune system needs rest. And the body needs to cleanse itself. And a lot of those cleansing processes take place in the evening when we're in bed resting and sleeping. So we need to rest to allow our body to, to, like anything else, to get primed up for the next day and to allow ourselves to process the previous day's experiences and wastes yeah. so that we're ready to go afresh next day. And if we don't do that, then those, those toxins and that stress all accumulate, okay. leading to breakdown of the physiology at any or at all levels. Yeah. Good, good, interesting insight. So this is a very restorative, balancing, and cleansing process that needs to 
take place with the proper amount of time dedicated to to the various. Uh, of course, we're not going to dig into all these things with sleep and uh, you know rapid eye movement, all these things that take place and what that means. But uh, suffice it to say, in summation, sleep is very important. Your drum roll, your drum roll. I as a drummer uh, can can appreciate you like that. that. <laughs> your drum roll uh, emphasized it too. So get enough sleep and I'm going to take that to, and, and stop these. Thankfully for me, it's a somewhat rare occasion, but once in a while I get four hours or less of sleep. I, I, I shoot for six to eight, but I think we are supposed to, as, as grown adults, we are supposed to get at least seven or eight. Uh, it varies. Yeah. It, it, it varies by the person. Someone tells me they're getting six, seven, eight. You're feeling rested the next day. Perfect. Young children need a little more. Elderly people, a little less. Yeah, my kids, I've got eight and 10 year old, my almost 11. And probably as he approaches his teenage year, I remember when I was a teenager, I could sleep 12 hours easy. <laughs> but they right now, I think they average about 10, uh, 10 yeah. hours. So uh, I try to get them to bed early. I know other kids that are their friends whose parents seem to not worry about it and let them stay up till one in the morning. And then <laughs> there's anyway, just all food for thought for all of us, whatever our circumstances, if you're a parent, uh, I would submit as a non-qualified, uh, <laughs> just as a parent with experience, I have some authority, get your kids to bed a little bit early, not let them step till one in the morning. But, you know, I did that as a kid too. Anyway, I digress again, but as we talk about the, the COVID stuff, so you, I think you covered pretty thoroughly self-care and you mentioned it earlier too, as a very important part of taking care of this, uh, our immune system and just staying strong in the wake of, all this and more that's in the world. Um, so now as we, as we talk about uh, habits, what are some of the kind of day-to-day practices uh, as, as far as enhancing our health that we can do as, as people? Um, as far as the type of foods, uh, my kid, yeah, I don't know about, I don't know if you have kids, but kids always want to jump towards the sugary, fatty foods, the pizza and the candy bars and the soda. Obviously, that we know as adults, and I had some of that as kids too, as a kid. But uh, uh, what is it when it comes to nutrition that we should be doing better as a day-to-day habit? Great. So the answer to that, I'm going to go back to the to the analogy that you drew drew up that that you brought up that I really liked. And now that I know that you're a drummer, okay, the importance <laughs> of repetition and rhythm. So. Okay. When it comes to diet, in addition to sleep, when we so and I'll I'll come to your question to flat out and answer your question about what to eat or avoid with respect to respiratory congestion. But first, when and how we eat is as important as what we eat. And again, back to this idea of rhythm: early to bed, early to rise, eating your meals at the right time. And then what happens? So you're a drummer, Phil. And so what happens if the, so we we have circadian rhythms. Our body operates on a 24-hour clock, and we're supposed to do certain things at certain times throughout the day. And so if we can go back to the, I'm not a professional musician, but I was in band when I was in high school. I played trombone. and, And what happens if you get off rhythm? What happens if you're in the marching band and the percussion messes up and gets off beat? (laughs) <laughs> everything falls apart yeah. right so yeah. in the same way if we if we stick to this rhythm that's half the battle and if we get out of rhythm <laughs> look out and so the thing with eating is your digestion is naturally strongest in the middle of the day when the sun is highest in the sky so mm. the main is very important that the main meal of the day should be a lunchtime and that people should not eat very much at night. Interesting. Eating um, too heavily at night is an underrecognized cause of a lot of chronic health problems in the United States. Mm-hmm. So, so the first, that's the first message about food is make sure you have your main meal in the middle of the day and don't eat too much at night. Why? Digestion is naturally strongest in the middle of the day. That's when the fire is on the highest, the digestive fire. The oven is tuned strongest. If we, so for that reason, 1,400 calories at midday is way different than 1,400 calories at 8 o'clock at night. If you have that big meal at night, your digestion is down to a skeleton crew. You don't get the job done. Mm. 
then you can you end up absorbing what in Ayurveda we call ama, which is the byproduct of incomplete or improper digestion, which is the ground floor floor where congestion, inflammation, uh, and disease get in. Yeah. What what was that word you said? Uh, in Ayurveda we call it ama, A M A. A M A. Simple word. You can translate that if you want as uh, no English English translation, but I usually uh, call it digestive toxins, the byproduct of improperly or incompletely digested food. Now, in in Western medicine, we do have an analogous concept. We have this concept of intestinal hyperpermeability or leaky gut syndrome, people call it sometimes where when the gut is not functioning properly, we absorb incompletely digested food molecules, which triggers inflammation and autoimmune responses. So that may be a Western scientific explanation for what AMA is in Ayurveda. But be that as it may, you don't have to get fancy about it. You can just try it yourself and you'll find out. Anybody who has chronic pain, chronic fatigue, depression, lots of respiratory congestion, any chronic medical challenge and you're having steak and potatoes at eight o'clock at night okay have your steak and potatoes at midday at night just a bowl of soup it might not solve all the world's problems but it will solve a lot of yours yeah okay interesting i uh you know i've heard it said that food is the biggest poison in our society um you know, not, not a lot of us are consuming arsenic regularly, for example, but, and that's not usually considered a food, but just eating pizza, like you mentioned steak and potato, like people have different schools of thought on that as well, such as, oh, we shouldn't eat meat at all, or especially red meat, or, you know, the vegan approach and various things like that. So what about the content of what we're eating? I appreciate what you're saying about, uh, midday and that makes sense i don't know how that applies i guess some people have to do what they have to do if they're working a graveyard shift and their their midday is midnight for example or 2 a.m or something but um what what uh what, what about the content of what of what we're eating and also what about intermittent fasting i guess that's a two-layered at least question uh the content and the fasting because I've, I've heard some different things on that as well and i've tried some things uh myself gotcha i just want to uh, one other comment before I uh, answer that directly is that noon is noon. When the sun is highest in the sky is when nature supports our digesting our biggest meal. Okay. People should work during the day and sleep at night. Uh, swing shifts we can deal with. Graveyard shifts wear out your health. People who work the graveyard shift live shorter lives. So I tell my patients to please minimize those shifts as much as possible. So what do we eat? Mm. The ideal diet is a lacto-vegetarian diet. That's a, according to Ayurveda, that's a vegetarian diet that includes dairy products. You don't have to be vegetarian to benefit from an Ayurvedic program. If you're going to have meat, poultry, fish, or eggs, what am I going to say? Have them at lunch, not so much at night, because they're heavier foods and harder to digest. Generally speaking, then, the ideal diet is a vegetarian diet, lots of whole grains, with legumes for your protein, and then um, lots and lots and lots and lots of cooked vegetables, not raw. Raw vegetables are hard to digest, and the judicious use of dairy products. Now, if we come back to the issue of respiratory congestion, which you asked me uh, a few minutes ago and I got diverted, there are then some very specific guidelines that we can give people about avoiding respiratory congestion in terms of what you eat. As a general principle, uh, you want, according to favor foods, which are, in Ayurveda we call it kapha pacifying, and reduce or avoid foods that are kapha aggravating. Think of kapha as the um, physiologic principle, which if we get too much of it, it causes mucus. So the things that will prove that are kapha pacifying, excuse me, the things that are kapha aggravating to avoid are things that are cold, heavy, and sweet. Avoid cold, heavy, and sweet. Favor light, hot, spicy, bitter, mm. pungent, dry. So, for example, 
a great thing to have if you've got a snotty nose would be a cup of ginger tea. The wrong thing to have would be a bowl of ice cream. <laughs> now, if you don't believe me, go get a bowl of ice cream. But before you eat it, take note of how much snot you've got in your respiratory tract. Eat three <laughs> scoops of ice cream. Now how much snot do you have in your respiratory tract? Yeah. So this sure. means that all of us, and especially children, should avoid cold, sweet drinks. No cold juice, no cold milk, and sugar-sweetened beverages should be banned altogether. Now, boiled milk with a little bit of ginger, that's okay, but nothing cold, heavy, sweet. Wow. You know, that's uh, we talk about this uh, in terms of you know, milk products, let's say. Uh, and I've heard a doctor say in the past that um, if you're going to spend extra money on organic items, do it on milk because all the things in the normal run-of-the-mill milk at the store that's processed the way it is and I guess hormones and things is just not good for your health on tons of levels. And so, like I go to Costco Big shout out to Costco. Uh, <laughs> you get you can get two gallons of milk for four or five bucks. It's you know Costco is you get stuff in bulk, so to speak. And uh, but then they also have where you could get two cartons, which I think are half gallons. Uh, I don't remember it anyway. But it ends up being like ten bucks for that, which is which is organic. Um, do you have any thoughts on that when it comes to the organic versus not when it comes to milk? And and I thought it was interesting too that you said cold. Uh, I, for one, like I live in Las Vegas for crying out loud. So I, <laughs> at the very least, I put lots of ice in my water when I, and I do drink lots of water and I have my kids drink lots of water, uh, as much as possible. But, uh, I like cold drinks I, and I don't, I don't drink alcohol or anything, but uh, I like cold fruit juice too. So talk to me about all that, the milk, the juice, all the things we're drinking and the organic feature of the milk. Sorry to give okay. you a big multi-layered drink question, but go ahead. <laughs> uh I'll try to answer all those questions, and if I forget some of them, bring them back to me. So, <laughs> sure, sure. Okay, so uh, cold beverages are off the menu. Room temperature is fine. Warm things are beneficial. What's room temperature? Well, 73, 74 degrees. So if you live in a place like La Las Vegas, and you want to put some ice in your water to get it down to room temperature, you can, okay? Mm -hmm. But nothing cold. So room temperature, and, and look, if it's 105 degrees out, a 75-degree drink is nice, nice and cool and soothing, or so it seems. And that's okay, but you don't want anything cold. Now, we take this, oh, we're not trying to be rigid here, and if you're getting away with it, you're getting away with it. But what I would say is if you've got kids, anybody in a hot climate like that, you've got kids and you're giving them popsicles and ice-cold juice and cold milk out of the refrigerator, and your kids are getting snotty noses, now you know why. Really? Totally. Now, with respect to, now kids are prone to snotty noses anyhow, but anything, what, I'm trying, what I'm saying is anything cold, heavy, and sweet will aggravate that tendency. And again, you can do little experiments for yourself. No cold juice, no cold milk for a week, and watch what happens to the family snot production. It goes way down. <laughs> so now what, you, what, what you're saying about milk and the organics is extremely important. Uh, the food supply in this country is challenged in terms of its purity, to say the least. And that spans the entirety of the spectrum of the food supply, dairy products, other animal products, mm -hmm. produce, and the like. So you have to be careful. You need to be selective. And organic is very important. And you should buy organic products when you can afford to and when it makes sense. I would agree with you that with dairy products, it's especially important. Huh. So we only purchase, we, when, when our kids were young, we actually had a guy who had a cow. We got our milk from him. That <laughs> fell through. But we go and we get local organic milk and yes it hurts it's like six bucks a gallon way <laughs> more expensive than yep. some of the other options but it's worth it now with the produce 
again, what I tell people is get organic if you can, and if you can't afford it, you can't. And there are some things that are more important than others. Mm -hmm. uh, in general, things, if you're peeling the skin off of something, it's probably like a banana, it might be less important than, say, some berries. And you can go to the, um, the environmental work group as a website where they post which the, the pesticide exposure to different types of produce, which are most important to, to buy organic. Mm. For dairy products, Bill, I completely agree with you. You really have to spend the money. Wow. That's, uh, that's interesting. And, and uh, fruit juices, what about, I mean, those have natural sugars. It's not necessarily processed the way you, like a, a Coke product might be or something. But uh, I, like I mentioned, I, for one, I'm not trying to do a personal kind of uh, evaluation here, but I know a lot of people drink juices in some capacity. Uh, you're saying that's kind of off limits, especially cold. I mean, temperature is the big factor that we're talking about too but are fruit juices off limits so we can get some things out of ju juices not off limits um, i would say for sure that sugar sweetened beverages your colas your soft drinks garbage okay. off limits now you know may occasional treat once every five years or you know you're gonna have a coke because this and that well basically garbage now Fruit juices are way overrated. If you're going to take some fresh fruit you've got around the house and you're going to squeeze it and drink it, that's okay, especially if you're doing it at room temperature within moderation. But fruit juice in general is really, 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 really sweet. Mm. If, if, I'm in, if we're in our clinic and a patient who has diabetes comes in and the patient has taken too much insulin and or hasn't eaten enough, and they come into the clinic, and I walk into the exam room, and they say, and the patient says, I'm having a low sugar reaction. I'm really weak and sweaty. What do we give them? Orange juice. It is really one of the, I mean, a glass of orange juice, say a four-ounce glass of orange juice. How many oranges does it take to make that? Probably four or three or five or whatever. That's yeah. a lot of oranges. It has a lot of concentrated sweet. So you're way better off eating fresh fruit. It's got the yeah. fiber, it's balanced, and it's natural. So wow. once in a while, some homemade, fresh-squeezed fruit juice, go for it. The store-bought stuff out of the refrigerator, it's not as bad as drinking Coca-Cola or Mountain Dew, obviously, but it really isn't so good for you. Yeah. I mean, and when I get juice, I'm always looking for that it's 100% juice, that it's not like, oh, this is actually 7% juice and the, and the rest is oh, sugar that's and critical. artificial yeah, yeah. flavors. Uh, yeah, it's important to read your labels and, and be a little bit discerning, but I'll keep that in mind as I go to the various stores, including Costco. I, yeah, I like the cranberry raspberry juice they have at Costco. Uh, <laughs> and I now watch out for that stuff. Again, really? so again, so, so again, I want to emphasize, Phil, that, that it's not what you do once in a while that's so important, but what the general tendency is. Yeah. Once in a blue moon is a special treat. You pull up a, a, a six ouncer of the Costco raspberry cranberry. Big deal. But on a regular, look at the label. Cranberries, if it's a cranberry juice, it probably has a bunch of sugar in it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll feel guilty all day, but I won't blame you. Uh, but thank you for the insight. And, and, you know, as a person who doesn't drink, but let's talk about that real fast. Alcohol. What are your thoughts on that? I live in a place where people consume a lot in Vegas. People come into town, hang out on the strip, especially. <laughs> but talk to me real quick about alcohol, if you would. Alcohol is a toxin, which is tolerated in small amounts. Less is more. So if someone comes in to say, see me and uh, says, I'm a teetotaler, I never drink, I slap them a high five now, or I give them the elbow. Now, I used to stop by. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Now, um, we're not freaks or weirdos, so you know, we have to be extreme. A single glass of beer or, or a single bottle of beer or a glass of wine with your lunch or with your dinner, a main meal, isn't going to hurt. Uh, but like Anything else, what am I going to say? Nothing cold. Got to be room okay. temperature. And that's a tough pill to swallow for me, this, this have it not cold. I'm not <laughs> sure if I, I, for one, will do that. But 
you know, I, uh, I don't do, I don't do drugs, alcohol, these other things. And I do exercise. So I'm trying my best, but I guess the key is let's do our best and take these things, uh, as totally. we will. And, and the uh, other thing I've got good news for you on that again, is that remember you're in Las Vegas. So <laughs> your idea of cold is different from my idea of cold in Portland. All right. <laughs> sure. So if you're, you can put ice in a beverage and get it down to room temperature. So cool is okay. I mean, 70 something to us, 75 degrees is warm to you. It's cool. Okay. A 75 degree drink. I mean, you don't have to walk around with a thermometer, but a slightly cool drink is perfectly okay. We're not trying to be weird. We don't want everyone in Las Vegas walking around pouring, pouring boiling water down their throats all day. <laughs> uh, well, most of us are indoors. Yeah. So 75 degrees, you know, a cool drink is fine, but not ice cold. If you're taking water that's been sitting out that's lukewarm, you can put some ice in it and drink it. Yeah, it's fine. Now, when you said this thing about, uh, I appreciate all that, by the way, all this stuff about raw vegetables. Like I, for one, once in a while, I make these smoothies. I get like, I get frozen fruit. Here we go with temperature. Uh, so I throw in some frozen berries. I throw in a room temperature, of course, banana uh, peeled, of course. And uh, what else? I put some, some organic granola and sometimes I throw honey as well. Sometimes I put, uh, oh, I also put like a spinach or a spring mix kind of salad stuff in it along with milk. Usually it's the normal run of the mill milk. Uh, I'll start getting the organic again, but, uh, what about that in terms of raw vegetables and, or the frozen stuff that's thrown in there? I know a lot of people make smoothies of some sort. Um, but that's kind of run, you know, I guess the rundown of my smoothie <laughs> that I tend to make. Okay, so let's talk about your smoothie. So that sounds great. It's a, it's a great instinct and a couple of things. Number one, as a general principle, things that are warm and cooked are easy to digest and we favor them while things that are cold and raw are hard to digest and we reduce or avoid them. So the Ayurvedic diet, dates back thousands of years, is the cooked food diet it is the 180 degree opposite of the raw food diet. Now, fresh fruit has been cooked by the sun. You don't have to cook your bananas or your grapes. Most other things, with one major exception I'm going to mention in a minute, you want to cook and then eat room temperature or warm. Mm -hmm. So when you make a smoothie, fruit smoothies are great. Just make sure they're room temperature. The Adding the vegetables, well, it's starting to get a little bit difficult for your digestive system. Vegetables, mm. loads of vegetables in the diet, they should be cooked. Raw veggies are hard to digest. And having just ranted and raved about cooking everything, there is one major exception to the rule, and that's honey, which is an ideal sweetener raw, toxic when cooked. If you give honey that's been pasteurized or heated to bees, it will kill the bees. So if you're putting honey in there, make sure it's raw honey. Huh. Interesting. And, and the part of why I ask that is because it's, it's being chopped up. So it's like that's part of digestion anyway. So when you run it through a blender of some sort, it's, I thought, well, that might help the case. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely helps. Vegetables. Definitely uh, helps. Well, Okay. Interesting. Uh, thanks for all the insights. I, before we wrap up, I want to real quick touch on anxiety and depression. I'm just wondering, so many people, including folks I'm very close with, suffer with these ailments. Uh, and I'm just curious your take. And I know that you, uh, from your book and your practice, that there's approaches that you have towards treating those conditions. What, what are your what are your two cents, so to speak, on anxiety and depression? I'm sure it's more than two cents, but t tell me more if you would. Okay, so it's uh, anxiety and depression are different, okay. uh, but let's yes. let's uh, let's go with anxiety. Sometimes they go hand in hand, uh, though, don't they? Oh, I mean, they're, totally, they're... totally. But go ahead. So the discussion the discussion's a little bit different, but um, I'll try. Okay, so so. Everything we so for both anxiety and depression, everything we've been talking about: early to bed, early to rise, exercise first thing in the morning, have a good hot lunch, and if you meditate twice a day, on top of that, all the better. 
that routine, remember that percussion, going in rhythm, guiding the marching band, early mm -hmm. to bed, early to rise, exercise in the morning, have a good lunch. Early to bed, early to rise, exercise in the morning, have a good lunch. That'll treat a lot of anxiety and depression right there. And then the mind-body techniques are very important. The transcendental meditation, the uh, getting enough rest, very important. And then there are both dietary and herbal things that we can do for both of those conditions. So, okay. for example, there's a supplement called ashwagandha, which is often very good for settling the nervous system. Bacopa there are, is another one. There are mixtures of supplements that we can use uh, that, in conjunction with mind-body, proper routine, and diet, can all work together to move the physiology and the spirit in the uh, right direction. Now, one other thing, um, th then with respect to diet, with anxiety and depression, there it'll be a little different. With anxiety, you want to follow a diet, which we in Ayurveda call the Vata diet, which has more foods which kind of calm you down. And those are foods that are a little bit more oily, a little bit more heavy and warm. And with the depression, the diet might be, the emphasis on the diet would be a little different, more of the Hatha type of diet, the same diet we were talking about for the congestion, more of the lighter foods, the dry foods, the hot pungent foods. And with depression, we may need to focus on detoxification regimens because depression can be caused by accumulation of AMA, those digestive toxins. So simple detoxification regimen. Sip warm water throughout the day. Do a 24-hour liquid fast once a week from lunch to lunch. You had asked before about the uh, periodic fasting. So some easy fasting techniques like that can help with the depression as well. Hmm. Great. In interesting insights. And I, I heard someone the other day talk about this 16-8 fast approach where it's like you only eat during eight hours of the day and then essentially fast the rest, including eight hours or so, hopefully, of sleep. Um, any thoughts on that as we get ready to wrap up here? Uh, right. I mean, it's, it's all, it's kind of same, same. It's just kind of a different pattern and just get in your rhythm and do something healthy. <laughs> but it's, it actually is the same rhythm. I mean, so what I'm telling people is main meal, midday, light dinner, breakfast optional, breakfast which is optional. basically, basically what you just told me. Now I'm not saying, I don't tell people not to eat breakfast. Uh, but the point is that some people come in to see me and they'll say, Hey doc, you know, um, I wake up in the morning, I'm not hungry, I skip breakfast. Okay. Other people come in and say, you know, doc, I'm too busy, lunchtime, I just, I just a granola bar, I'm too busy. That's not okay. So the only problem with having too much breakfast is then you're not hungry for lunch, then you overeat at night, which is the big mistake. So if you do the main meal midday, light dinner, and you skip breakfast, that's the periodic fasting that everyone's talking about, right? It's another way of saying the same thing that I'm saying. Yeah, this whole thing about breakfast is the most important meal of the day, which is this old adage everyone used to say, and let's go eat a bunch of eggs and bacon and, <laughs> and cereal with cold milk and all that. Uh, I guess it's, it's not exactly. I know, obviously, a lot of fitness professionals do a thing where it's a bunch of snacks throughout, especially bodybuilders, but that's a whole different life approach. Most of us aren't lifting weights seven hours a day or <laughs> whatever it might be for those guys and gals. Uh, but Right. But the best approach to to eating from what I've heard, and again, I'm no qualified professional necessarily, is eating in smaller segments. But you are saying if you're gonna if you're gonna eat bigger meals, that lunch should be it. Uh, should, well, should let's be, talk about that. Okay. That that's a that's important. And I would I do want to emphasize that I'm talking about most of us. I'm not talking about the guy who's training for the Olympics. That's sure. not my field. Okay. But right, for right. most of us, main meal, midday, light dinner breakfast plus minus. And then the important thing is it's okay to snack, but don't graze. When you eat, allow what you have eaten to digest before you eat again, it takes about three hours. So you can have a good, you must have a good healthy lunch and a light nutritious dinner. And you can have some breakfast if you want, a healthy mid-morning snack and a healthy mid-afternoon snack if you want, all revolving around that main meal at lunch. And you can eat those five times. 
and that's it. Unless there's some specific medical indication, unless your doctor has specifically instructed you otherwise, don't snack at night. Don't graze. Okay. Okay. All good insights, and we appreciate that uh, qualifier too, because most of us aren't going out for the Olympics. Uh, too bad that they're not happening this year like they should, but another sad right topic all tied to this COVID stuff. But anyway, Dr. Elder, I can't thank you enough. Uh, so many great insights. Uh, we might have to reconvene down the road and, and chat further about all this stuff, but I think we covered a very pretty strong foundation uh, and I appreciate you answering my question. I think some of my personal questions, a lot of people can relate to as well. Uh, oh, yes. Very yeah, whether it's juice, alcohol, milk, organic, the raw veggies, uh, the meal, uh, you know, regularity and all that kind of stuff. But Picture of Health is the book, uh, subtitle, Transform Your Self-Care and Healthcare Through Ayurvedic and Integrative Medicine. Uh, highly recommended. Is that on Amazon? Uh, it is on Amazon. Okay. Do you have a website as well? I didn't pull up if you did. PictureofHealthMDS.com. PictureofHealthMDS.com. Cool. We'll make note of that. We'll mention that in our intro and the uh, show notes. So pull up a link right there. And uh, great. Uh, appreciate it, uh, Dr. Elder. And uh, for the rest of you, we're flattered you spend time with us and empower yourself, empower the world around you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Empower Humans. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review this podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit empowerhumans.com. We'll catch you next time.